Hello and welcome to Revenue Champions. This is a special episode with me, Liam Bartholomew and Sean Ball. I wrote an email nurture for Closed Lost Opportunities that went viral after Sean shared a screenshot of it on LinkedIn. Sean then interviewed me about it as well as some other hot demand gen topics. We're going to be sharing that conversation with you today. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Great, Liam. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Okay, I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. I felt like, to be honest, after uh, after we made each other viral, <laughs> it just felt yeah. like you know, the, a natural opportunity to maybe just jump on and, 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 and talk about the email and just a couple of things you guys do at Cognizant and the wider demand gen world. Yeah, 100%. I am... Um... It's funny. I kept being saying to people, being like, "I've gone viral on LinkedIn," and they're like, "You haven't posted anything." <laughs> I was like, "No, it was someone else." <laughs> I think it's really funny, you know, because I've mixed, I've mixed feelings really, because I feel like a bit of a fraud. Because I'm like, "Oh, this post is doing so well." I'm like, "It's not even my content." <laughs> it's like maybe I should try harder. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. But I had the same sort of feelings with the other way around. I was like, probably should have posted this myself, put it out there, actually. <laughs> I think sometimes though it's um you know it's it's hard you can't always like con- con- contrive this stuff you know it's like mm-hmm. it kind of it needs to be natural and I think probably the reason why it works so well is um uh I I'm not a cognizant customer yet but was a prospect and you know the genius of the email I just felt so compelled to share it and I think that's what that's what worked worked really well mm-hmm. and you can't really um you can't you can't fake that stuff can you you know yeah, that's true for sure. Like it does. I actually think we had. I think Alice had, um, who's uh, in some CMO. She she had shared that email once before on LinkedIn, um, and it didn't go viral. And I think, or like, didn't go half as far. And I think that's for the exact that exact reason um, was just you know you can't you know if you shout out yourself, it looks like you're trying to promote it, right? Whereas if you see it in the wild as it is then, you know, like it gets a bigger reception. People, you know, excited about it then. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I think it's quite hard as well because the LinkedIn algorithm these days, I mean, you get loads of these people trying to code break it like it's some kind of, you know, secret code. But I think ultimately it's just people post stuff that other people like and then, mm-hmm. you know, people like it and engage on it and they go, there's no gaming the algorithm these days, is there? No, no way. I Yeah. I agree. There's no point trying to work it out either because you're just, yeah, you won't, you won't hit it. And you see all the actual big influencers talking about that all the time as well, that they're like, their posts like volumes vary massively now. And it's just based on is what they're saying, like of interest to people relevant, um, you know, what people are trying to learn and stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of, kind of as far as you can get with it now. Great. So if we probably kind of jumped ahead really it's <laughs> always good but um do you want to maybe just give us a bit of an overview of uh of, of your role and your background today yeah so um i am currently head of demand generation at cognizant so i am responsible for all of like the demand that we create for cognizant the product globally so uh we've got we in main regions we're in us uk and DAC um, and then we do a little we're pushing a little bit more in other areas of Europe but they're sort of the main areas so we're I'm basically yeah just trying to grow the demand for Cognizant I'm responsible for all of our marketing the new business number um, and trying to yeah just grow us out get us even bigger and, and scale the company really 
Yeah, I know um, it's been quite interesting, actually, because not Alice, your um, CMO has been talking a lot recently around the Cognizance transition from lead gen to demand gen. And there's, mm-hmm. there's so much talk online about what it what it is and what it isn't and the crossover and you know so what's your what's your take on it yeah i mean we listen me and alice actually started at cognizant uh fairly close together we used to work um at thompson reuters together that's how we knew each other and when we started out we were playing very much from like a normal lead gen playbook you know uh we set up um, when the first things we're doing, we're really getting like ourselves set up on like LinkedIn, Google, um, and just pulling in as many leads as possible and creating then like a, a follow-up process with SDRs. And then it wasn't really until about a year and a half into it that then obviously there's all the Chris Walkers, everyone like talking about this more. We'd already like semi split out the funnel, which you're meant to do, but I don't think we'd really looked at so we split it out into what we would have called inbound, paid, and like content. And content was our like lead generation. But we we just blend it back again together when we were looking at like the overall performance of the of marketing and the team. And then it just took us to split it out properly and actually then again and look at what was working and what wasn't. And you could just see that 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 lead gen um, side of it was actually really cost inefficient and just not really and not really providing the value that we we needed for like growth and and actually focusing on the inbounds and direct demand um and how we could increase that was obviously the clear way forward and then the rest of it is just a lot of a lot of guts because then you've got to take it to the sales team you've got to take it Mm. to the uh c-suite executives and show this plan that you're gonna ungate everything and there's going to be less leads and that will promise you that there'll be higher uh but revenue won't suffer for it and actually there'll be better conversions and then we were just i suppose really lucky to have a sales team and executive team that were like on board of that willing for us to experiment so to begin with we like took a smaller we said look we'll we'll, we'll gradually switch this over like as Alice has talked about it, sort of like earn the right yeah. to do it. So we'll have some of that money towards lead gen and the rest towards demand gen and um, or like ungated content. Um, and we were able to show that uptick in inbounds after just three months, which just then gave us the green light really to switch over entirely. Um, I suppose that's the process about it. What I see the difference between the two really is just that demand gen is just no longer gating your content to do another form of outbound, right? We're actually just committing to general marketing. And like, as marketing, it's always been known to, which is like giving your content for free and educating and, and engaging your audience um, so that they know about you um, and the power of brand. Whereas I think maybe we slipped back into this whole lead gen idea, which is actually just another version of outbound at scale, which is obviously, being uh, an employee of Cognizant, outbound is great, but uh, it has its place and we you don't want the whole model to be outbound, you know, the, and demand gen uh, offers like a completely different way of, of getting like high intent uh, leads into your business, basically. Oh, really interesting thoughts, Liam. I think, I mean, the job of marketing really is to make sales easier. And I think mm-hmm. there is a kind of tendency to get a bit hooked on the MQL hamster wheel. 
mm-hmm. with a lot of de- diminishing returns. It depends, I guess, on the structure and the, the the personalities in that in that in that company. But yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to kind of watch as as a as an outsider and a bit of a fan of Cognizant how you guys have gone on that journey and getting buy in from from the sea level and some of the some of the sales team must have been quite challenging. But to to get those types of positive KPIs back in three months that that's really good what 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 how did you manage that process then like what were the key indicators that you reported back to the rest of the rest of the team on at that three-month period yeah so you could we couldn't see anything like uptick in in uh revenue at that point um from marketing attribute sources just because of the amount of time and the it being so short, like we, there wasn't long enough time for those sales to come through. So we were literally just looking at the number of inbounds um, that we generated. Um, and we were looking at like the growth rate then between, so three months prior. So obviously we would just hope that some of our, our inbounds, <laughs> like the number of inbounds we get would be going up anyway um, in response to um, even doing gated marketing right we're trying to still get ourselves out there um so we were looking at not only the increase in inbounds but actually the growth rate over those three months like was that at a greater rate than previously and i think well we actually saw a 47 percent increase in inbounds which was huge oh. anyway um and i can't exactly remember that growth rate difference but that's basically what we were reporting back um and then that just got like that little nod to be like, okay. And we actually had that budget carved out separately, right? So it was like promised. And this was where it was great to have um, like CEO who was involved in the project. Cause you know, we carved that budget out separately. So we're like, we're not ruining anything we're doing now. We're just creating something different. You know, the end of three months, if you can't, if we can't show you anything that demonstrates that this will work, then we'll, we'll give that budget back. But yeah. It works. So. <laughs> I think you know. It's, I guess it's a really good segue back to the reason why we're kind of talking, really, because uh, good demand gen, good good brand building. You know, something Dave Gerhard talks about all the time, right? It's it's good copywriting. It's like the the fundamental building block. And mm-hmm. I think um, some of the things that I've um, observed is uh, a lot of B two B tech platforms. I don't know. It's almost this convention that there's a way of doing it and it's mm-hmm. almost that i mean no that not that anyone really thinks this implicitly but b2b is kind of boring mm-hmm. and you have to you know the copy has to be giving data and information and that's what value is and i think mm-hmm. um one of the things that i love to see is when brands don't take themselves too too seriously mm-hmm. marketing should add value by making making people's you know, making people's day slightly better than it, than, it, than it was before, right? Like people should enjoy marketing. And um, the email that you sent me, which was like the literal breakup email, <laughs> which uh, we won't show it, but obviously I'll, I'll repost a link to it um, in this in this uh, podcast. Um, what I kind of loved about it is it was just, it was just succinct to the point, caught my attention. Most companies would have sent, you know, a generic newsletter maybe um, about, you know, kind of, vanilla blog posts that they probably got somebody junior freelancer to write mm-hmm. and, and yeah i thought i thought that um the email that, that that you sent was genius so what was the inspiration behind 
taken that type of approach? Yeah, so the actual, um, the email is, uh, so we're building out basically um, a, a closed last opportunities um, sequence. I like nurture. So um, we had the, we, ha we had to sort of like think about what we wanted to do with it. And I think, as you said, like so many of these sequences just completely missed the mark because um, they just include stuff that either people don't really care about or uh, they're trying to push people to do it, to request a demo again, move back into like the, like, yeah, like the buyer's cycle and like people have closed, the, that opportunity is closed last for a reason. Um, and people aren't just going to come back like now and there has to be some you have to sort of like think about where the where that that prospect is in that journey and like what you can realistically say to them and what's actually going to benefit you and see if then keep you top of mind to what they they might come back uh we also like it does it triggers three months after the close last stop so it's like the first three months is left with the sales rep to try and rescue the deal if they think there's anything there so then after that as well like after three months if there's if AE's had no chance of like revitalizing that deal then there's no chance that I'm just going to come over marketing and just create like send you an email with a book a demo button and it's gonna it's gonna happen so we're just trying to think like what could we do and I think at the time I'd been on quite a few dates myself so uh and you receive like some of the texts you receive, like just um, just like ending it right. If it's it's not gone, I mean, most of the time it's mutual or something. It's not gone. Right. They just they really made me laugh because it's it's that sort of like that awkwardness, like of being like, oh um, oh it was really it was really great to like meet you and something. I, I just don't see it going any further. And I was like thinking about like that same feeling, but with in in this situation. So I feel like it's just relevant to everyone. Everyone everyone knows what that's like so we're thinking well that's kind of the same with a closed us up right you put in all this effort and we're actually really excited about getting people on board and then they uh they say oh no we can't you know this isn't working for us and um well you're not allowed to be annoyed so <laughs> you you've got to be uh you've got like just accept it let people go um so it's like well we should write it like like almost like yeah like an email that it's like a, it's like dating gone wrong, and you've actually responded to one of those texts and being and pretending that that you're okay with it when secretly you're definitely not. And then we thought the action that we want people to take, like what do we want them to do? It was like we don't really want them to do anything, but we do want them to stay in touch. And like if you've been dating someone you really like secretly, you just want them to slip back into your DM. So the idea was then we're like, okay, so the action will be that we just want them to follow us on social like keeps in touch with you know people you know when people break up normally they you can find like people posting like really showy offy things on their instagram stories to try and like win someone's attention back so we thought oh we'll go down that route that that's that's what we're trying to say we'll do and they should follow us on social to see what we're up to still so it just sort of came from like thinking like trying to like apply that same feeling and emotion to like a real life situation and then that's what I thought and hoped would strike a chord with people because they'd read it and then they'd you know that's why it's funny as well like I feel like all best humor things come from real life experiences because then everyone can see that in it and, and laugh at it so 
and then the sequence does go on like you might have received some more of the emails since but it's like it's again it's just trying to get people to engage with us but not do anything so i think the next one is we've sent you a mixtape and it's just uh um or we've made a mixtape for you and it's just our podcast and then we move on to try and get people to sign up the newsletter and the blog and then at the end there still is that demo request email but it's just positioned as you know well if you ever want to get in contact you can um like not actually any real push but hopefully they do come back through that demo email just for attribution reasons but <laughs> but yeah that, that's kind of the thought behind it really yeah genius i think it's funny that no one i don't think i've ever made or received a mixtape in my life but everyone knows everyone knows what like what it is <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> No, it's like it's I like that sort of stuff to play into like the nostalgia, right? Yeah. Like um wherever we wherever I can, I'm like, oh what especially like I'm thinking for like a millennial generation, like I just try and play into as much nostalgic stuff either as much as you can. And like I feel like that generation, like we've never received a mixtape. Like realistically, we moved on to digital <laughs> media before like mixtapes came out but we've seen them all in films so i was like that would be funny like i feel like everyone will get that yeah 100 it just reminds me of that moment from friends where chandler plays the tear for monica and it's actually janice but anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how does the how does the wider copywriting process typically work at cognizant to be honest it's quite like in the in the team um it's it's i wouldn't say it's actually massively structured we um Take away, like if we were having a campaign, we'd brain we brainstorm like that campaign out, and then I just give people the free and like, well, have come up with an idea. Like, so I like especially in uh if in like if we're writing ad copy or we're writing email copy and things like that, I like there to be a theme um that we're like focusing on so that it all ties together and strings back to. So like that one would take a dating theme, and then we'll have like different themes and stuff and then that person can go we'll go away write it and we'll come back and then we'll all approve and add like edits to it right and and like and jump on it and like add some extra ideas where we can um there has been like i just in the content team as well like who write maybe more all of our blogs and white papers and stuff like just more of a like a movement to like thinking about and like I know uh, Greg and our team is particularly good at this, like bringing in pop culture references and actually a lot of them do that as well for that same sort of, for the same reason as that, like, you know, to get people thinking about it or like reading and engaged and enjoying it, not just thinking, oh, this is another dry piece of sales, our marketing content. So it's fairly unstructured, I suppose, just so that we can include as much creativity in it, um, but then just takes the approval of, um, that we, we all get involved. So there's like, everything is proofed. Um, and then we can all add in like any extra suggestions we've got um, to it as well. Brilliant. Who would you say your favorite sales and marketing influencers are on LinkedIn? Um, I'd say, I think marketing is like, kind of like there's the, the, the big guys at the moment, um, Chris Walker and Dave Gerhardt are like, a great, I mean, Chris Walker's created like a whole movement behind him, I'd say. And Dave Gerhardt is, um, I'm like in the DGMG group, like I find all of that super useful. He's created like a really cool community. And then I think like Gong has got some great 
people as well. I mean, they've done LinkedIn really well. So like Devon Reed and um, also Udi are a great marketing influence as well. I also see uh, a lot coming out of where a customer there as well is um, metadata, uh, like Mark Huber's really, really out there and doing well on LinkedIn as well. I kind of enjoy, we enjoy a lot of this content. Um, and there's actually a few others from metadata have sort of cropped up now I'm following. In terms of sales content, big fan of Josh Braun and we work with him as well. I've done a few things like in conjunction with Josh. I Again, I feel like he is doing a similar thing in the SDR world of, um, of like creating a movement around like a different way of doing of doing outbound and then also like another person we work with being morgan ingram as well who i think is doing like also just morgan does a, a great way of reaching audiences in different ways as well like out on tiktok as well so um and creating content like across the board not just on linkedin um so like a big fan of his in the in the sales sphere as well yeah i think that's my the main people that I would say that I'm following. Great. If you could give one piece of copywriting advice, what would it be? Um, I think it's probably, I mean, this is just probably quite basic now, but it's just to speak uh, to the person um, when writing and to write how you talk. Um, I think like you said about be, to be getting, uh, being boring sometimes. I think there's this whole idea and um, maybe why it goes that way is to be trust, to be knowledgeable um, and seen as like a knowledgeable company and a company that can educate a thing and to be trusted, you therefore have to remove everything that's human. It's like you have to become a library, right? um rather like for, for anyone to trust you but actually like some of the people that we listen to most in the world aren't very serious at all or are quite funny um and they seem to have like massive influence over people um I mean for example like even if you look at it politically like I wouldn't say Boris Johnson's a very serious man at all yet he manages to like encapsulate like the majority of the country um, um and you can see that happening all the time so I think when it comes to copywriting it's just to speak how you speak and and write like that and speak to your audience like they want to be spoken to um and be kind of casual and informal too like um I think that's the most engaging uh the most engaging way to be spoken to um so I think that's when people really engage yeah, I would agree. Great. Thank you, Liam. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, thank you very much. We'll speak again soon. Perhaps go, uh, go, go viral off, the, off this podcast, although I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs>